thanks again for all of you, uh, to all of you for being here. And I'd like to, um, I'd like to invite Amy Toach up to the uh, the stage to take us to the next um, the piece of this, which will be to introduce the real stars of the show. Uh, and before I do that, I, I do want to say uh, a special thanks to David Doig. Um, this program today, thank you, David, for all you've done over so many years. And but you understand bringing together the private sector, the public sector, and and philanthropy and. In uh, in corporations to do the right thing, and it's something that we've seen, and it's proof in in the work that you've done. Um, but right here today, proof in in this program, and it's a great uh, way to just recognize and and thank all of you who do bring us ideas to City Club and bring us programs. We've had a lot of great comments lately about how things are a little bit different, and they're and and, and they're. Um, forward thinking and, and showing all the great things that are happening in the city, not just talking about problems. So thank you again, David, for bringing this to us. And, and, and I welcome others to do the same and, and suggest some great programs and we'll keep this uh, momentum going. So with that, uh, I, I will, um, I will ask uh, Amy and, uh, and all of the panelists actually to come on up and we'll, we'll kick off the panel. Thank you very much. Enjoy. Um, everybody can hear me. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Here. We have our esteemed panel on a shaky table here. <laughs> uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, so, uh, my name is Amy Toach. I'm the lead organizer for United Power for Action and Justice. And I have the privilege of working with our 38 dues-paying member organizations, many of whom are here and represented in this room today. So I want to first start off by recognizing them. United Power is made up of dues-paying mosques, synagogues, nonprofits, churches, all throughout Cook County. And our main mission and business is to organize people power, to tackle seemingly intractable problems. We're also an affiliate of the Industrial Areas Foundation, which is the nation's oldest and largest network of citizen power groups like ours. And um, we actually have a representative here today with us from Queens Power, our organization in Queens, New York, Reverend O'Connor. We welcome you and I'm glad you're here with us today. Um, and so the challenge that we're going to talk about today that United Power is tackling and that IAF has tackled, um, I want to start off by framing this nationally and the chart we have up here. This um, highlights the national shortage of starter homes. So uh, over time, our nation has stopped building the backbone of what has created wealth and equity for families in this country, which is the starter home and um, there's an estimated shortage of 4 million nationally uh, starter homes. And approximately 60% of the wealth in this nation of ordinary Americans consists of the, the equity that they have in their home. Um, so we don't consider social uh, equity or economic equity as separates or opposites. People need and deserve both. So I want to start by framing that. Um, and if we look at Chicago, what many of us know in the neighborhoods that we work in 
It's a place where economic equity, uh, this demonstrates the investment in uh, single-family homes. And as the neighborhood is increasingly uh, people of color, there is less investment in single-family homes. And we layer this on top of the corrosive reality that we know of the 10,000 city-owned vacant lots across the city, concentrated in these same neighborhoods, and a relentless denial or stripping of wealth and equity. So Reclaiming Chicago is a campaign to deal with these challenges. And the good news is that we have a track record both here in Chicago and through the IAF's work nationally. Uh, we have built 6,500 single-family homes, and it has generated an estimated $2 billion in wealth and equity for those families. So that's the good news. And the good news is that we have leaders like the esteemed colleagues that I have here with me today, um, as well as the United Power leaders and members in this audience uh, we have the privilege of lots of leaders, the city's best and brightest, through our institutions that are uh, toiling away and tackling this challenge right now. And uh, so we're going to start by uh, having four of our leaders that represent the four neighborhoods in which we're working right now on a campaign we're calling Reclaiming Chicago. So first, I'd like to start by just asking you each to introduce yourselves and the work of your institutions uh, before we get to the work that we're doing together is Reclaiming Chicago. So, uh, Melda, do you want to start us off? Thank you, Amy. Uh, Imelda Salazar, I'm an organizer with the Southwest Organizing Project, which I'm going to refer to SWAP. All the conversation <laughs> is easier. And I've been organizing there for, uh, as I said, 20 years. But what we do is we take people like me, and make an invitation to enter public life and start community organizing. So we do it in a way that is for the neighborhood in different areas. So we work in education, anti-violence, housing, immigration, healthcare, and workforce and jobs. Great, thanks. And Wakolda. Um, Wakolda Reyes uh, with the Resurrection Project. Uh, the Resurrection Project is a 33-year-old organization, that somebody reminded me recently, and I've been doing this with them for almost 30 years now. I've been primarily responsible of the work that we have done uh, through the development of real estate assets. Uh, so we started in Pilsen with an initiative, New Homes for Chicago, with my friend here next, Richard, like <laughs> 30 years ago, right? And so from there, TRP was able to create this model that truly, if you go back to Pilsen today, 33 years later, is a very different community, a much better community that has built and created wealth for our own resilient residents that were there 33 years ago. Um, so it's interesting how 33 years later, now TRP is going back to back of the yards, which is actually where we also started in late 1990 with affordable rental housing, which is my other passion. Um, and so it's coming back to our old neighborhood, the back of the yards communities, Las Empacadoras, 
but continue to uh, meet the needs of our communities, our families, with this idea of giving them a little bit of Chicago, creating wealth, and making them proud homeowners, which we all deserve that dream, right? So, Richard? Uh, good afternoon. I'm Richard Townsell. I'm the executive director of the Londale Christian Development Corporation. We are a 36-year-old organization uh, based in... Oh, thank you to two people. That <laughs> <laughs> We've been around for 36 years. Uh, we started right around the same time as the Resurrection Project. We are church-based, and so our church has been around for 46 years. Um, we've done about $110 million in that period of time, over 500 units, both of for sale housing as well as affordable rental housing and commercial development. Um, we are really interested in this because in 2006, we built 100 homes and then the city stopped us. And so we didn't win, right? There are 3,000 vacant city lots in North Lawndale. And we were able to build 100 homes for working families, and then the city wouldn't let us proceed. So we're real, real jealous. Uh, Bishop Patrick O'Connor over there, whenever we say Bishop Patrick O'Connor, we think you're talking about in Chicago, it's an Irish guy. No, he's a <laughs> black guy, right? And so he, they've built over 5,000 homes in East Brooklyn, Queens, Brook, uh, Bronx, and D.C. And so we're trying to catch up. We've been, we stand on the shoulders of folks like Bishop O'Connor. Uh, we've been out there to see their work in terms of the EMI plan. And so we want to make sure that uh, Chicago stops being the second city and we uh, build for working people. I'm Reverend James Meek. I uh, pastored for 43 years here in the city of Chicago. I was a state senator for 10 years and uh, now I'm unemployed. <laughs> And uh, I retired in January to uh, start our running our Hope Center Foundation, uh, which has been a part of Salem Baptist Church for the last few years. And so now I'm running the Hope Center Foundation and uh, got a chance to go to New York to see the Nehemiah Project. And I'm here today to say to Bishop O'Connor, anything New York can do. <laughs> we can do better. <laughs> and, uh, we, are, we, we are proud of the work that has been done there. We thank them for setting the course. We thank them for showing us the model or showing us the way. But we got it from here. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought really I was going to enjoy some fruits of what retirement is supposed to be until I connected with United Power. <laughs> and so now I'm here today and I hope that uh, the things that we share with you today will help you to want to get involved as well. Yeah, Amen. Yep. that's right. Well, thank you all. So let's get to it. I think it would be helpful if we painted the picture for the audience first mm -hmm. about reclaiming Chicago, um, what our vision is, um, as I said in the beginning, United Power is organized people, organizing money to have an impact and tackle these challenges. So, Richard, I was wondering if you could um, just kind of lay out the vision of what we're aiming to do with Reclaiming Chicago. And um, Guacolda, if maybe you could lift up some of the key elements within that as well to just let the audience know um, our, our overall vision of what we're getting to work here. Sure. Our goal is to build 2,000 homes 
a thousand on the south side of Chicago and a thousand on the west side of Chicago. Um, there are 10,000 city owned vacant lots in our city. And so we're trying to get to about 20 percent. You know, we're not greedy. We just want 20 percent on the vacant land in our neighborhoods so that we can build. We're building primarily for working people, for people that have not had an opportunity to build wealth. Um, One of the things that is amazing about what's happened in in New York is that 40 percent of the buyers were people that formerly lived in public housing. You can imagine that. And so trying to build at a scale and at a pace where working families can have a shot at equity. And so we're trying to work to, you know, that work would generate property taxes annually. It would uh, get rid of the blight and, you know, some of the other challenges that we're having, you know, repopulate schools. Uh, And so all of the things that we that are benefits of uh, having equity and having a scale is a big part of what we're trying to do. So as Richard said, that is our vision, right? So I'm going to share with you what we've been able to accomplish to this point. Um, we have raised a significant amount of money on our own. Uh, right now, we have around $18 million that we've been able to raise through philanthropy and banks, and that money is being utilized right now as a construction fund for us. So when a house is, needs to be built, the money is available, and we do have our process very similar to like a title company will require, but a little bit better, I would say. <laughs> and so our general contractors, our builders and, and designers are able to get paid much faster, uh, which we believe is very important for us because it, this is wealth that needs to be distributed, right? It's across the board. Um, we have all, almost, uh, we're going to have, in the next couple of months, probably um, around 60 houses that are going to, are in the process of actually using those $18 million that we have. Our ultimate goal is $25 million, but right now we're kind of trying to figure it out that most likely it's going to be more than that. So um, I think this is something that maybe later we're going to talk about how you can engage in part of this, this amazing process because definitely we're going to need more funding for the construction of our homes. Um, the city has committed already to North Lawndale around 100 city vacant lots. Uh, they have always provide, also provided a little bit over $5 million for the improvements of, of the land to site preparation. And that's the way they've been able to begin this process of actually having several houses under construction and most importantly, already having several houses closed mm-hmm. and happy, proud families of the North, Lane, North Lawndale community living there. Yeah. Very similar to our experience in Back of the Yards with the Resurrection Project, TRP has our own vacant lots, few of them, not 100, just 16. <laughs> and so within those, we already have closed two homes. One is ready to close on October 11, and the two are proud New homeowners in back of the yards are two uh, f- f- family members that actually work for the Chicago Public Schools. So this is a, you know, really good story to tell there. Um, and so besides the land, besides the money, we also have a significant component, which is a state grant fund that allow us to provide subsidies to the homeowners. $10 million. $10 million. So we got land. We got money. We got the families in the pipelines, as Amy reminded me this morning, we have, we're looking around, I believe, 450 that are interested. 80 families today 
October 3rd, they're ready to buy a home in the communities that we're serving. Today, with the high interest rate, with all the challenges mm-hmm. that our families have been going through, black and brown, right, they are ready to buy homes. So this is the power that we are talking about. Thanks, Bakulda. I think it would be important to highlight um, some of the work that United Power has done already and the results that we've seen in Chicago Lawn with the work that United Power and Swap have done over the course of number of years, consistently and persistently tackling the same challenges there around vacancy. And Imelda, I wondered if you could highlight uh, the results we've seen and what the impact has been there to the neighborhood. Yes. So we started looking at the neighborhood, and I'm not going to share that story, but it didn't look the way we wanted to look. And we thought, nobody will come and save us. We need to do something. And we did. So Mm -hmm. in early 2013... There were almost 700 vacant addresses in the neighborhood that swap serves. So please, can you imagine blocks with 14 to 20 border of homes and apartment buildings? That's how the neighborhood looked like. And we identified 20 blocks from 59th Street to 63rd Street from Rockwell to California, and regular people like me started counting, literally walking and counting the vacant addresses, and there were 93 vacant addresses. Wow. In those 20 blocks, 93. So I am Catholic, and I'm a parishioner of St. Rita of Casha, who is in those 20 block area. And so is SWAP, and so are two local public schools. And what is it that we do best? We do community organizing. Sometimes it's the simple that is the powerful. We just started talking to each other. And then we created some maps. And these maps really uh, are famous because they were in congressional hearings. (laughs) And our pastors were talking about our neighborhood is bleeding. As you can see the maps. And everybody, I think the key ingredient of our work is the relational and building relational power. It sounds like, yeah, talking to each other, but from the point of view that no one will come and save us, we need to work together, and it doesn't have to be with people that look like us. So that's where leaders from St. Rita, staff from SWAP, and people from the neighborhood started talking to people from... Ascension Church in Oak Park and United Power. They definitely don't look like me. <laughs> and But that has started a different conversation. What is it that people in Oak Park are interested in Chicago lot? And then we started organizing and having those conversations that usually no one has. And so we built those relationships and we made what it looked impossible, possible. And we worked to raise with United Power $7 million with tax credits. And then we found a strong developer partner, which is Greenshore Development. And it started 
really working in our neighborhood. But we didn't know. To our surprise, we started on housing. But of course, it impacted the local schools yeah. who are level, you know, the lowest level. And then they keep upgrading the grade because now people are getting involved. Teachers are even talking about buying in our neighborhood instead of being afraid of parking in our neighborhood. And then the shootings in that 20 block area went down 70%. 70%. And we began the process of really strategically acquiring buildings. So we thought, if we do one here and then another in seven blocks, it's hard for people to see it. But we started with the ones that were in the corner buildings, where the, you know most of the things in the neighborhood happen. And once we did that, other developers, you know, our local families that are members of the churches I talked, Got engaged. It's contagious. You know, like I remember my mom saying, like, you have to wash your dishes because, you know, it's just wash your dishes. And if I was the only one with the plate, I would wash it. It was easier to see everything, you know, full. And then I just put one more. It's the same with housing. If all the homes were boarded up, one more, it didn't matter in the block. But if no border of homes, one will stand up. And that's what it started happening. So these, our own families started like investing in the neighborhood and the blocks that we strategically started developing. And from 93 vacancies that I talked, the other map you can see, we have eight vacant homes. And we are not finished. There is so much work to do. But I want to just talk also about the transformation among ourselves. We were well known as SWAP, TRP, North Lawndale, you know, in Roseland. But working together has transformed our relationship to go and talk to other players, elected officials. And now we are United Power, like we personify United Power when we enter to a meeting. And that work expressed to our institution, SWAP, I didn't talk much in the beginning, but has 45 member institutions, and that's what they see. If it can be done on housing, we can do the same model on other issues. So I'll stop there. Yeah. Thanks, Imelda. So I think highlighting the great work in Chicago law, and I'd like to, us to paint the picture now. We're focused in four neighborhoods across the city, um, so, Reverend Meeks, I wonder if you could paint the picture for us in, in Roseland and talk about what kind of impact would Reclaiming Chicago have there and how, why, why now? Why focus on this and why now? So we just broke ground um, last month on the first house that we're going to build in Roseland. And now we have 10 additional lots. And we didn't wait until we were able to get the city uh, to give us those lots. Those are lots that our church owned. So we just put our lots in and now we're getting ready to build 10 more houses and we're getting ready to build all of the houses in, in a row so that when, well, first of all, we want people to know that they have good neighbors mm. <laughs> because these are all the neighbors that we've chosen. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, these are all of the people 
who've already gone through our home ownership training. Uh, they're already qualified. The great news and the great impact about working with United Power, you know, they said if you want to go fast, go alone. Mm. If you want to go far, get some other people. And so we, we don't want to just build 10 homes. We want to transform our community with building homes. But these houses actually cost more to build than we're going to be able to sell them for. So we were able, by working with United Power and, all, and the money that they've raised up to this point, we were able to help people, write, we were able to write down some of the, some of the amounts so that people could afford the house. And I think that it's one of the kind of things that's happening uh, and that will be happening in Rosen that I've seen happen in these other communities is that uh, all it takes for evil to exist mm. is for good people to sit back and do nothing. Yes. And it's a lot of great people in the city of Chicago. And it's a lot of good people saying, you know, why do we have so many vacant lots? And why why don't they whoever this they are, <laughs> why don't they do something but we've decided that we are the they. Yes, sir. But we can't be they alone because we don't have United Powers resources, nor do we have their knowledge. But working together, uh, like my sister was saying, working together, we're, we're able to get together. And it's time in Chicago. Chicago has been so racially divided. Uh, and blacks and whites are not working together and Latinos and United Power represents to me the kind of demise of some of that. That's my cousin. I'll give you the ten dollars. I'll give you the ten dollars if you get out of here. United Power represents the demise of some of that. That's why we're building houses all over the city of Chicago. And frankly, I'll end with this. That's why we need you. That's why we invited you. It's a setup. <laughs> uh, it wasn't just about the chicken and the mustard choli. <laughs> we need you and your neighborhood organization to inquire, to get involved. Because, again, we can go further the more of us that unite together. And that's, you know, we saw the model. Uh, Rosalind is all in. And... Um, I hope that we can make a difference. That's right. That's right. Anything you'd add, Richard, to further paint the picture of the impact in Lawndale and why this and why now been at this for a long time? Anything you'd like to highlight in addition to that? Sure. Uh, my wife is here. We've been married 33 years now. <laughs> Which is a miracle for her because sometimes <laughs> you couldn't be around me for 33 minutes, let alone 33 years. Right. But as we, you know, walk there's a school in our neighborhood, as we see kids walking to school every day and throughout the neighborhood with so many vacant lots and cars on lots and stuff on like, like what is the vision these young people have when every single day they walk past vacancy and demise. Right. And so, we, we've had an opportunity now on one particular block that's also by a school to put five homes on that block, right? And so it is beginning to transform the block. And when our leaders in the North Lawndale Homeowners Association, which are now here, some of our troublemakers who push the city, 
whenever we have issues, it's like it, it's a civics class of sorts where so many people in our neighborhood are used to losing in our neighborhoods. We're used to losing. Right. We're used to. Well, they are never going to, as Pastor Meek said, they're never going to do that or the city's not going to do that. Well, we're we're in, we're uh, the kind of folks that that. Uh, have enough righteous indignation that we want to win, right? We want to transform and we're going to accept the ownership of doing that. And so we don't want our young people to continue to walk past vacancy and vacant lots and schools that are half empty, any of those things. So it's our responsibility uh, as leaders to push for that so that we can transform our neighborhood in a way that, uh, that, that when, when young people, that they'll be proud to say, like right now for many of our athletes, and young people that become successful, their goal is to leave the neighborhood. Mm. Right? That's their goal. They want to leave, you know, and we want it to be to the point where don't move, improve. Right. Come back to the neighborhood. Be be the leadership, be the transformation that our communities need. And so we're trying to set the stage so that if we get a thousand homes built here and a thousand homes built on the south side and, you know, what else can we do? And so that's our goal. Um, I think each one of us share from their own personal stories, and I think it's important to recognize the value that becoming a homeowner is like you are part of this community. You, this, this, is, this is my casa, right? This is us. And whatever tough time comes through some of the community, I'm going to fight for it. Um, I did that 25 years ago when my husband and I and my two little girls bought a house in Pilsen. Pilsen was tough 25 years ago. So kind of similar story with what we're seeing in back of the yards now and what Richard and Imelda has shared with that, with you, is that, yeah, the neighborhoods are tough, but we have our families, ourselves, as assets. Yes. And in, 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 the, in the families that we've been able to, two families went back to back of the yards, um, the first two homes that we sold last 2021, 2022, uh, is coming back, as Richard mentioned, because some people have been pushed out for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But now we want to say we welcome you back. And for the families, like the, 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 the couple that are working for CPS, that means a lot to me uh, because of their commitment to their work and to their neighborhood. Back of the yard, it's, it's, it's resilience, right? So I think this is the reason why we're giving this family now another opportunity to continue to stay and to fight. Now, I will add to that that this is not going to be easy. It has not been easy, and I think we have mentioned the city of Chicago here several times. Um, There are our partners, but sometimes also we've been very energetic saying what are the challenges that we need to work together to improve. Um, And so within those 2,000 homes that we want, we've been able to make a very clear request to the mayor asking for 500. We're not asking right away for the 2,000, but we're asking for 500 to be among this neighborhood so we can continue to build. Because for us, what's going to matter now the most is the scale. So we can truly make these houses even more affordable to the families that we want to serve. Um, I think that this is important in the sense that we need to continue to invest in these communities. Uh, we need to be careful in a sense that we don't want to create too much investment that then we push out our own families, right? right. Which is some of the challenges some of us we see in our, in our city right now, right? But 
I think there's got to be a balanced development that brings new families, right, but also is able to preserve the families that have been in these communities that for so many years have seen so many disinvestment. Yeah. I think that's right. And um, it makes me think, Imelda, of, the, of what you highlighted with SWAP. Do you want to say a bit about just the overall neighborhood vision to, to kind of underscore that and the, the, how you're thinking about housing broadly? Yeah, I think the, the beauty of this campaign is that each neighborhood is different. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Chicago alone, home ownership is not a, for everyone, as we know. And it's a lot of people that are getting ready and informed how to be a good renter. And that's what we've been working on. It's about the financial education. and But it's the combination we want to include, right? Like people want to rent. Yes, we we have a real bungalow in the neighborhood with the good neighbors, and but not everybody is it's gonna be a homeowner. There are different circumstances. We have a lot of immigrant families, and credit uh, is not something available for them. So it's just a lot of factors that, uh, as it is right now, homeownership is not for everyone. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing, and I'm so happy to see Alderman Taylor with us, and she's been working really well and really hard uh, to help her community and to help all communities. One thing is that as we, as we try to build, we don't need a lot of city bureaucracy and red tape right. because we found that the city bureaucracy, the, the city in an attempt to, to do good can end up holding us up. Mm. And we really need the city to uh, to help us and to give us some people inside of city government that will say, "Okay, if you all will put in your resources and your time and your energy, at least we can appoint a red tape czar. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody that's there and you know that you could call and you can get the red tape removed because if we're ready to build and then it takes uh, literally it, it takes 55 days to get a lien removed from an unpaid water bill on a lot. That's 55 days that we've lost. Yes. And so we, we need people in city government, not everybody, but just one person. Right. To remove the red tape yes. so right. that we can all partner together. The mayor can't do it by himself. Yes. The aldermen cannot do it by themselves. We need to have community groups like United Power. But we also need people inside city government to help us remove some of the bureaucracy. So that's a request we have too today. If you are a red tape remover. <laughs> <laughs> And then please, please don't leave. I'll pay your parking. We need to talk to you. Yes. So I think that's great to highlight of our next steps. And we do, we have a few questions here that we're going to um, take from the audience. And I think if there's more, they sent us some questions ahead of time here. But just to highlight the next steps that um, United Power is focused on for this next phase and what will really move it ahead. So Reverend Meeks, you mentioned the red tape remover. Yes. Wakolda, you mentioned that we've asked for 500 500 lots 
and that we get this done in the next four years. Yes. Um, what about on the money front? We've, we've raised 18 million so far. What are we calling on for the money front that would really move this ahead? We need $40 million uh, in order to move it forward. But we'll just take $10 million in this first budget year. But $10 million a year over the next four years will help us. Like I said. Um, Did I see the guy from Wintrust raise? <laughs> he said he's in. I think the guy from Wintrust just raised his hand. And he said he got you. He's got it. When, when, when we did this years ago, houses were cheaper, right? Interest rates were 3%. Now they're seven and a half, right? Now a house that we were trying to get in at 250000 is now 400000 right? And so when we said we needed $25 million, we thought, ah, oh, we build 100 homes at a time, rebuild neighborhoods. Now we need more like $50 million, plus we need money from the city to continue to write the cost down. And so that's our ask. So we've raised 18 million collectively as United Power, and we're calling for that to be matched. It could be matched to the corporate community and through others um, to help that fund that will be used over and over again. So as we build and sell a home, money goes back and we can build the next home and keep it to work. And as Guacolda mentioned, that money's already at work of the oh, yeah. 18 million. We, we already got. used yeah. 18 of all of <laughs> 25. So yes, exactly. So we have a few questions here from the audience. Um, so uh, while we're on the money, um, we have a question here. Uh, which banks have made commitments to the effort and which banks have yet to to be a part of it and to step up. Oh my. That's a setup. That's a setup. Oh my. Uh, Chase, BMO. Yeah, they're here in the room with us. Woo, 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 Thank, you. Woo, woo, woo. Thank you. We know the Chicago Chicago Community Trust has made it. The Staines Family Foundation, who's there, has made a commitment. Um, uh, the uh, Builders Initiative, which is Lucas Walton, uh, they made a commitment as well. I think that that might be it. And Metro IAF, our national network, That's has true. organized a fund of yeah. um, primarily from major churches, um, church judicatories throughout the country, and they just made a commitment yep. this five million a couple dollars. weeks ago. Yeah. Five million, fantastic! Yeah. So that's how we're getting. Million. There's lots of room there. That was a bank that just left. What's that? So we have another question here um, asking specifically about um, why not in, in this one mentions Altgeld Gardens, but maybe I think we could speak to why these neighborhoods and, and how did we get started in these particular neighborhoods? Because there's 10,000 city-owned vacant lots all throughout the city. Why these neighborhoods and, and why are we focused there? Well, let me simply answer that by saying that we have to have communities that have partners that we can work with. And so the person who wrote the question, if there is a stable neighborhood organization that's ready to work, we're glad to work with them. But we got to have community organizations that are stable that we can work with. I agree. Yes. And I think it's the viable institutions like churches, schools that where people still gather in businesses that if everybody is on board, that's where we want to start. Because if we do it, like you said, by ourselves, we're not going to go anywhere. Well, ultimately, this isn't a housing campaign. Right? This is an organizing campaign. Yeah. And so housing is the benefit of it. 
And so we go to institutions that are members of United Power that have made commitments to raise money, to train, develop, look for leaders, right? Because that's the hard work. It's like building houses is one of the easiest parts of it. But how do you defend it from attack? How do you keep pressing so that you can do more? That's why, you know, we made that mistake in 2006. You know, we had money, we built houses. But when the mayor and, and the alderman said no, we had no recourse, right? Because we didn't have the strength, we didn't have the political muscle to push through. And so this is an organizing campaign. And I think what Richard said is extremely important. And it's, very, it's a very unique characteristic to this group, the United Power. Because it is community development, but it's community development rooted in community organizing. Say that. Mm-hmm. So you do have the residents taking action. It's not an external agent that is flying from I don't know where mm-hmm. and is going to stay there for a little bit. We live in the communities that we work. Yeah. And I think we are, we are residents of ourselves. And I think this is one of the reasons, as Reverend Mix mentioned, that we do need, if, if any neighborhood is interested in, initiative, in this, this initiative, we do need an anchor community organization that is going to be able to start with the organizer. You heard me saying that we have 450 families in the process. It takes them a year and a half. But to transform those families into residents that are going to advocate, that they're going to fight with other residents for other challenges that the community might face, that's going to take much, much longer. That's so our this 50 is million, this 50 is so million dollars right there. <laughs> <laughs> the hotlines pick are open. Up. Yeah, pick it up. <laughs> That's so funny. You can't do it. That's right. Um, there's a question here um, from the Institute for Nonviolence Chicago. Violence reduction community works mainly with young men who are 80% housing insecure. What can be done? You're not going to combat violence on a block where there are eight vacant lots and two houses. The only way to combat violence on these blocks is to get people there who are vested and concerned about the communities. The vacant lots, that's, that's really what harbors. They had the drugs. They run through the lots. They, we need stability. We have to have stability in these communities and we can't abandon these communities because they've been abandoned so long, uh, until it's time for us to step up now. So that's what will combat the violence houses with stable people in them on the, in the community. That's right. And I will also add to that in, in more specifically, uh, I think with the United Power reclaiming Chicago, each Chicagoan should have an opportunity. So I wouldn't say no to some of the, the, the individuals that they just mentioned there in terms of making real a homeownership opportunity. And if not, and if they need longer time to get ready, then okay, we are not. Homeownership is vital and is important. But also, as Imelda mentioned, we have the rental affordable component, which is also an opportunity. There are a lot of tools in the toolbox to make our neighborhoods better. So, yeah. yeah. And I think, well, Kolda, um, in, in back of the yards, I think of the work with Precious Blood Ministry mm-hmm. of Reconciliation. Yay! Well, we've really talked about the vision for the community and what we're looking at there is this mix of rental yeah. and home ownership that 
can speak to the residents that are yep. served by the neighborhood. The residents' needs, which is that we should be the driver of the development and also, most importantly, of the community organizing piece. I think the other thing that's also uh, unique is the opportunity. You know, you're thinking about, you know, young men that have been denied opportunities to work. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the opportunity for young men and young women Yes. Uh, to work as part of the what we're doing with the trades. And so whether it's fencing or, yep. you know, flooring or painting or whatever. So providing opportunities through our general contractors for young people to work is critical. Yeah. And I think it's obvious, but the basic is listening because we learn a lot from them. It's really being denied the financial literacy, like not even know how to save or so that that was, you know, it's not a surprise, but that 70% down when on shootings was to include them, engage them, and listen. So just feel proud of the obvious. Yeah. Reweaving the fabric of the neighborhood. Uh, so the one question here, and maybe this is one as we start to wrap up. What's the biggest thing that gives you hope as you work on this campaign? We are the Hope Center Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> The house of hope. And, and our and our church that we build is the house of hope. Yes. And so we got to have hope. <laughs> if we lose it at this point, we'll have to change our names. <laughs> you, you know, another thing, along with housing, when blocks of houses are built, guess what else has to be built? A grocery store and a movie theater and a pizza place. And all kind of businesses. But when you have vacant lots, you don't have to build a grocery store because there's nobody that's coming to the store. Nobody going to the movies. Nobody going to a restaurant. And so the in, along with housing, the whole community structure happens. Without housing, no community structure happens. In the absence of, then there's nobody to fight for schools. Because there's there's no there's not a good school and there are no parents to fight for good schools, so the whole thing falls down. Community organizing gives me hope. That's what I wake up every morning, and I think good conversations, the ones that really make me to take action, instead of oh, it would be great that there are no more vacant homes, but the ones that you know I can talk to, because you know I know the babysitter of this person that has the power. To make a change, I'll just have a conversation. Creating those conversations in spaces that usually the usual suspects don't get uh, a chance, that gives me hope. And, and let me say this, Amy. Yeah. This room gives me hope. Mm -hmm. The fact that you all knew what we were talking about and you came. Still came. <laughs> yeah, he said you still came. <laughs> but the fact that they're good people who care, it, it gives us hope. And so we're more optimistic today than we've been in a long time because you fill this room and there's so many good people who care and that gives us hope. Exactly. Somebody should have clapped. <laughs> I wish my mama was here. Uh, any, anything what, else? What it gives yeah. me hope is that um, I became a homeowner many, many years ago, as I said, and I think that anybody should have that opportunity. It's an option, an opportunity that you can grab and make it real. What also gives me hope today is the fact that I get to work with these amazing people and in a way that we demonstrate that black and brown, we can work together, that we have a common cause, a common cause, right? Um, so 
It's more about what we want to do, what we want to see, and that we cannot do it alone. And we need all of us to be able to do it because it's the same thing that we're doing here in front of you today is exactly what is happening in the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the kind of community and city that we want to build. So that's what still gives me hope. Any hopeful words you'd like to add, Mr. I mean, I think our leaders give me hope. You know, the folks that are here, you know, from North Wandale, the institutions and the individuals that are here our troublemakers over in the corner uh, who are sick and tired of being sick and tired and they're not going to sit back and let someone do for us what we can do for ourselves. And so um, they give me hope every day and they, they push me and inspire me and, and uh, being shoulder to shoulder with these folks uh, inspires me as well. Thank you. Uh, So organized people organizing money consistently and persistently over time uh, we did put, if there's follow-up information for the people in the room, um, and the next steps, we've highlighted the steps around money, um, around engaging with United Power, but we we did put a QR code out on the table if you'd like to connect with this group. But I'd just like to end by saying it's such a privilege and honor to work with all of you and the many people in this room that have made this happen and have generated the power to make uh, our city more as it should be. And so um, thank you all for joining me and to all of you for joining us. Okay. Right. And I want to thank Reverend Meeks for inviting us. We never knew McLean and Chicago met us. Roseland, I have a home in Roseland. I've lived there since 1969. It's the better part of Roseland. But I am so happy to hear that this is what you're doing. And you have the Chicago Defender, you've got Indigo, you've got Carl West and his TDT News here. And we're going to help to get the word out. Miss Lavelle doesn't know, but she just took some pages out of my notes. <laughs> she must have been looking over my shoulder. <laughs> um, did you, did you get to these questions? Yeah, we went. Okay. We tackled a few of them. Okay. Have the same. Uh, first, let me say thank you. Um, thank you to everyone here. Uh, you guys have heard me say this from the podium before that the church and me would say, "Look to your left and look to your right and see what Chicago looks like now." Um, <laughs> you know that 120 years ago, this room did not look like this. Um, yeah, right. it didn't. Um, you've heard me say that I might not have been standing at the podium, but I would have been in the room. I might have been pouring the coffee, but I would have been in the room. Mm. Um, I, I was struck by so much today. I don't know where Dan is, but he's somewhere. He can hear me. I'm going to ask each of you to continue this conversation here. Um, That's what you were supposed to say. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, Because Pastor Meek said something that struck me, and that is that if you don't have, if you have a vacant lot, you don't have anything to build from, but if you have a home, then you certainly have to have someone that has has to go buy groceries. Then you have everything else, and it just kind of builds on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And how many of us have not driven down a street 
um, where you've not seen. Has anybody, whether you're a suburban or not, driven in Chicago somewhere and been in awe of the vacant lots? Yeah. So um, we've got some work to do. And because we like to continue the conversation, we like to say that we have more to come here at City Club. As you know, as we make changes, we want to make the conversations relevant, and we want to make it relevant to Chicagoans, and I think we're doing that. Um, I notice that there are a lot of adults in the room. Is there anyone in the room under the age of 35? Just wave your hand. There's a few. I have a feeling this rowdy group over here might want to talk to you because um, clearly that is the group that has the, the um, if you've ever talked to a group of young people, they come up with some amazing ideas. And I'm sure, not, not trying to read their script, but I'm sure that they would love your ideas. So thank you all for being here. Um, I had a whole bunch of stuff that I was going to talk about, but since Ms. Lavelle talked about some of it and... Uh, I would also like to say that I think that the business communities want to see this happen. The business community has to see it happen. I know I work for one every day, and it is extremely important to the business community that the neighborhoods are thriving and that they are surviving. Um, so just know that this is a joint effort. Uh, you may not see us. We might oftentimes be in the background, but it's hu it is hugely important to the business community. So... That said, now I'll ask again. We'd love for you all to continue this conversation here. <laughs> Thank you. And I was like, man, I'm working up here hard. <laughs> Reverend Meeks looks so we call, excited. We said, call a vote. Yeah. Absolutely. Our okay. tradition, yes. So... To Amy, thank you. Uh, to Pastor Meeks, uh, to Ms. Reyes, Imelda, and to Mr. Townsell, we have um, an honorary year membership for each one of you. And we hope that because we're continuing the conversation, that I'll just ask you to pass each of those sure. for you, that you will absolutely use them. Pastor Meeks has several of them. I heard earlier today that this was his, this was his fourth City Club presentation. Thank you. And is that right, Pastor Meeks? Is yeah. Fourth? Wow. So we are honored to have um, everyone, not just on the stage, but in the room. And we try to get around and make sure that everyone knows that we take no one for granted here. It is um, not by mistake that we are here in this room with this group of people here. So I hope it is my hope that just as I almost didn't get in here on time, I don't know if you all saw me come running here like crazy. Um, it is my hope that you continue the conversation now that um, we had, I was teasing Sierra and I said, while Sierra's here, we must have had tiramisu. Normally we have our lemon cookies. So I don't know. She lives in high cotton. So we get the tiramisu today, but please continue the conversation. Um, our board members will be happy to have the conversations with you as well. If you are not a member of the city club, I dare not ask you to raise your hands if you are, or you aren't, but Omar would love to have a conversation with you. Omar will wave his hand. He's our money guy, so he would love to have that conversation with you. Um, we have something special coming up in November the 16th. I don't know where Dan is, so I'm just going to put it out there. We would love to have you come join us. We are doing some new things, and it will be an evening event, and we do hope that everyone will plan to be there. We'd love to see you in the room. So without further, were you getting ready to say something? 
Oh, okay. Um, if I have not, le- I, I always feel like I've left something off. I don't want to um, uh, delay the time any. Our f- photographer will come up and he will get a picture of the of the moderator and the panel. And then I'm sure you all will have lots of conversation for them. So that being said, at 1.15, we're a little late, but we are adjourned. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you.